0: Ciao ragazzi, welcome to this week's episode of the JaxCast with me, Lucio D'Alessandro Alex
1: Davis Jason Patterson Alex Sparks
0: On this week's episode we introduced Jason to the cast I burst in through the door, ruined the episode And we covered the first of a series of JaxCast values, Authenticity
2: Okay, it's Friday, it's 5 to 5 and it's the cast. Um, big news today we've actually released the juxcast. Alex, you've put it onto Spotify to Google to yeah, it should, should be just on all the major podcasting indexes. Hmm. Obviously this isn't news to anyone no. listening right now, but I mean we have been <laughs> doing these podcasts for a while, but haven't released them. But then why did we decide to go public?
3: Well, we had you know we had a few, I think the first the first one or two, I mean, the first few that we do are always going to be a little rough around the edges as we try and learn a very new sort of industry for us mm. um but we had a few we thought you know no reason to keep everyone in the dark mm. we'll just start releasing them and
2: yeah very good and we would quite be quite keen to get some special guests on
3: yeah 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 i, I think, think what, once once we've mastered the uh the art of recording ourselves in one room mm. we'll Move on to challenges like <laughs> recording people across the world. Yeah, at the same time.
2: So, if you've got anyone you'd like us to talk and have a discussion with, do let us know, and and um, we'll try to get them. Um, so, we have a tradition in the podcast of uh, mixing up and in you know people who come in who new um, get to do a bit of an origin story. So, we have Jason Patterson with us today, who's been at Jux since about Christmas. Yeah. And, and Jason, you went to one of the greatest universities in the world. Tell, tell us where, where that was. Well,
1: uh, I did go to Nottingham. Warwick University.
2: Before that, I went to Nottingham, uh, Warwick. Warwick University, greatest university in the world. And, yeah. and what did you study at Warwick? I did um, maths at okay. Warwick. So. I see you did, and then how did you come about to learn about computers or did you do programming on the course? Uh, well, I dabbled in some
1: basic programming before uni at school oh, right. uh, on my own. Um, and during uh, my uh, degree in maths, I, I did I did some modules doing a bit of C, doing a bit of Java, had to do a bit of MATLAB. <laughs>
2: so, did you enjoy it when you were you know the yeah. programming aspects? Yeah, I did. Yeah. So you're. you're um... In in the office in, in Milton Keynes, you're kind of the master Arch Linux. So when we said to you, you have to learn Arch Linux, you yep. came like, well, I already know, and you, you you seem to know more than anyone else. So how did that come about?
1: I've been Well of Linux for a time because my dad has always used like Debian.
2: So your parents yeah. use Linux. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anyone who yeah. has whose yeah. parents <laughs> use Linux. <Yeah. laughs>
1: Well, I did have a Windows laptop for a bit, and then I just got sick of it. So I ended up move, moving to first Ubuntu, and then sit, I was on that for a while. So this is a
2: natural thing you just grew up with. You You, you saw your dad with Linux, and you yeah. just kind of got to know it, and, it, you know, so it was a natural thing. Yeah, I didn't know it in any sort of great depth. So in the news, well, we're getting ready for Heart of Closure yep. next week, is it? I think we're leaving on Thursday the 1st of August. Getting the train down The yep. Heart of Closure is a conference. The first of its kind, it's in Belgium, and uh, we're, we're certainly sponsoring it. I think we've got concrete sponsorship, and we're going to be there with a, a booth and a stand. And we are going to be talking about a lot of things, including Closure, but particularly our Crux database and a new set of tutorials that we're launching now. I know Joanna can't be with us today, but they're coming out next week. Yep. So by the time this is out, we should have a whole set of Crux tutorials on the website, which is very exciting. So, talking of conferences, we have launched our xt twenty conference, or well, we are beginning to talk about it, which is next July. Um, how many tickets have we got? Uh, Two hundred and fifty six. Two hundred and fifty six. Good number. Oh yes, very good binary number. So we're we're looking forward to that. Now, the whole theme of XD twenty next year is going to be the theme of work. Now, last time, because we only do conferences every four years, the last time XD sixteen was all around. playful aspects of what we do but this will be very much the workful aspects and the kind of nature of work and and the the place that work takes up in our lives and our goals and and we've talked about that uh, in in previous podcasts so we want to construct a conference with lots of exciting things and make a kind of as john calls it a non-closure closure conference so there'll be speakers who are not necessarily in the closure world but in kind of maybe in the technology world or, or or outside that as well if you're um yeah just to, to let you know we are going to have a special discount for people at heart of closure so if you're going to that conference there'll be a discount code that you can get and get some money off it's in a large concert hall or a kind of an, an old victorian venue in Aldgate, i think yeah so details will be on the web we're going to be launching it you can buy tickets on the website so you've got a blog out, Alex. This is the first blog that you've written in a while. Do you want to just give a quick um, summary of what you, what was?
3: I, I mean, it was basically just look at our podcast, or I guess listen to our podcast. Although we do have a video now. We kind of did video for the first one or two, maybe, and then didn't do video because the camera was out of battery, and then we got a new camera, so now we can... <laughs>
2: So it's all about learning for us. I mean, we're learning yeah. how, we learned how to do the audio. We, the audio is getting better. Now we're kind of learning how yeah, to combine the, it.
3: The, I guess one of the points in the blog post was that we like to do things ourselves, especially when it comes to, I hate the word marketing, but our, what we show to the world, we don't want it to be from some other company that we just paid to make us look good. We want to like, try and actually make ourselves look good by ourselves. Come in, come in, come in.
2: Ah, oh, it's. Uh, Look who it is. Somebody come into the studio. It's Lucio. Yeah. So, Lucio, would you l- just start by telling us what you were actually doing that made you late to the podcast? I was trying to get a
0: field name display on top of the field.
3: That's uh, one of the unfortunate consequences of building forms for a farming application. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a
2: field as in. A, a field as in a, a farmer's field. field as a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Lucio's building an agricultural application to help farmers in their fields to work out the best strategies for increasing their crop yields and using data science and, and uh, a lot of analytics and giving smaller farmers the kind of technology and insights that only large companies would normally get, large agricultural companies. So, uh, And where's the, the... This is in... Colombia, can we say this? Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, At the moment, they have uh, different clients and one of them is uh, this Colombian uh, corporation and basically they manage many farmers. And so uh, for the farmers, the app is free. So that's great. Yeah, it's uh, although they're not a non-profit organization, they really care about the farmer's data and they they want to do this for the farmers genuinely. They have a very great mission. And so, yeah, the corporation will be... Uh, You know, they are one of their first clients and so uh, there are already people using the app and that's great. There are about 70 farmers currently using the app. So, yeah, that's great.
2: And what are these farmers growing?
0: They're growing trees, actually. So we had to readapt a bit the app because it started from fields, but now they also have some models to analyze the trees from the satellites. Right. So, yeah.
3: So before we were rudely interrupted... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> By this, yeah.
0: a very, you know, hardworking employee. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I was talking about the blog that I just did, um, where we say how instead of paying other companies to do, do our marketing and podcast and blog and that sort of thing for us, we, we like to make it ourselves. And, you know, partly because it's kind of fun to put all this stuff together, but also because, you know, I think... It gives off a more sort of
2: authentic feel. And I think, I mean, we we have quite a lot of unique values and a particular philosophy in Juxta. And it, it could be that if you pay other people to kind of message that for you, it becomes second or maybe third hand. And it's better if you, you can just talk about it firsthand with the people who kind of work on that and, and, and live and develop that philosophy. So... Yeah, it is about doing it yourself. And authenticity is one of the values. In Jux. we have six values. You know, maybe we could have a slot, a value of the week. But today's value is definitely authenticity. And authenticity is a word that comes, its root is auto, which is the same root as autobiography. It's, it's, it is about um, doing things on your own. It's about being self, self-sufficient. And so even though authenticity is often used in the context of something being truthful or reliable or genuine, I think there is that, but it's also um, used in the context of doing things themselves. And we do a lot of things in Juxt. We build our own website. um, We build our own database now. We've built our own standing desks and install our own computers, as I kind of was reminded of today. You know, while I was setting up the podcast
3: and figuring out how we would record it and edit it and this sort of thing, um, I did sort of try to stick to a... Using open source software philosophy, I guess, but it makes it very difficult when it comes to editing video and audio only like doing that only using open source you've gotta have a lot of spare time to sink into learning how that those things work because I don't know what it is about i i maybe it's that it's too niche an area it's there aren't a lot of programmers who also work on that sort of thing, so you just don't get the investment into it but looking at one of some of the professional apps out there and then comparing them to the open source ones is i don't think there's any any industry where it's as big a gap as it is in video and audio
2: i I think one thing that developers stand out as doing is making their own tools that's what developers do they just love doing it and they're really good at making their own tools so development tools are just the open source development tools are amazing but that doesn't necessarily translate to the creative tools or different tools or end user tools, where um, developers are kind of playing away from home and it's out of their comfort zone, and yeah. they're not as good, and those things are not as mature. And
3: I mean, there are there are you, it is possible to do all of the stuff on only open source, source tools, and actually, Blender is something that's a really good sort of creative tool that's open source. It's not really relevant for what we're doing. It's more of a 3D modeling application. But for video editing, there there, there was nothing acceptable, for, in my opinion, for video. For audio, Audacity does not have the non-destructive editing workflow that you need, so that can't be used. And there is a proper one that I've forgotten the name of, but it's just so complicated. It's like opening the cockpit to a space rocket. I'm sure if I invested the time, I could produce the same results but but what would be a
0: good open source um, software that you would say you know it's at the level of some you know other app out there but that is not for developers you know going out of your industry makes a difference because for example even like take the example of Apple right they could build awesome things because of the design as well that's why they get that much of success because they could do the same things in I don't know Microsoft but the problem is that the yeah. UI really made a the difference there, and I think that when you're a developer, if you build your own tools, then it's your—I mean, it's your subject. You know exactly what you're doing, and you, you just can optimize on that. While if you build something for someone else, then you think you know it'll work because maybe they're used to certain things. But but then it's like maybe just you know the fact that the UI is not accessible enough for the people they want to use it. Yeah. Then you're missing out opportunities just for that.
2: Uh, it. I mean, whether to use open source or not, I think it depends if you're, as you said, Lucia, building upon Mm -hmm. something, then very often you find those foundations are not the pure abstraction that they might be. And sometimes you need to understand in detail the implementation and the inner workings of that foundation. And that's when you hit bedrock. If something that you're building on is proprietary, that's where you can't go any deeper. And nobody else on the internet can either. And so all the Stack Overflow posts are all weird, like, have you tried kind of poking it on a Tuesday or, you know, like boiling it in water or, you know. And it's crazy, whereas when things are open source, people who have the time and the inclination can go and really understand, and they can take that understanding and then they can answer Stack Overflow articles. And so the spectrum or the graduation of understanding is available. As soon as you start building brick walls of proprietary barriers, then it breaks down. So we need this—you know—we need this continuum. Even though, as an individual user, I'm not really interested in kind of understanding how a particular Photoshop filter might work because I'm not building upon it. I'm just using the tools. So my need for things to be understandable and open source is lessened if I'm only going to be using a, a photo editor or, or something sure. rather than building upon it.
3: The argument. I guess to that is if somebody has open sourced a project and it can do almost all of what you want but not quite this extra feature you can commission someone who is specialized in that to build that extra feature for you and that could be anyone that you could find in the world you could meet someone at a bar and he's like oh yeah i'm a developer i make you know audio applications and you're like oh well There's this open source audio application and I want feature Y and I'll pay you X. Can you do it? And maybe he can. And with a closed source proprietary software, that's never going to happen. Like you'd have to try and pay the company and then that's going to be a whole lot harder. So it would be nice if there was more open source, um, I guess, investment into that field. But I guess it is too niche for the sort of people. Uh, I think you also made a good point about the... UI and the design on open source products is often worse than it is when a company is behind it and they're paying for. Yeah, just because
0: it's coming just you know from developers. There's no marketing, no business in it. It's just purely because
3: you know they were interested yeah. in it and then. Well, well, some some open source like I'm gonna use Blender mm-hmm. as an example again. I think Blender now like it always used to have a terrible UI and super confusing, but then they actually. Because I think a lot of companies started to use it, those companies were like, well, we can just invest into making this better because it's open source and we can just hire some people. And and then it it started to get this uh, group of people who are building on top of it, and it's now actually really good. Um, it's comparable to any of the pro, you know, thousands of dollars worth of software that's in that industry. So
2: Was it Valve or Unity that just granted Blender some million dollars b- right you know sure. to invest yeah, in yeah, yeah. You know, because blender is now part partly used in the pipeline to creating yeah exactly games on unity
3: yeah so i guess that's what you need to do you need to get get your open source software just good enough so it's used by some big companies and then they'll pump full of money mm. some in- investment into it but
2: it is i mean it's it, it's encouraging that the values of open source are beginning to kind of infect other domains because they've been very much kind of at the forefront of development you know open source has been something that we've kind of grown up with but you know all our most of our careers have been we've had all these tools accessible which other people haven't but it's, it's really good to see in you know in the sciences in in data science and in you know the um, you know research and medicine and and, and studies you know things that, that 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 mindset that you need to see all of it everything has to be transparent for you to get full understanding um and uh yeah pragmatism reigns i mean if you're running a business you know it's great to have that idealism and we do you know we want things to be incredibly open but sometimes you have to you have to ship
3: yeah i guess that um, sort of brings us on to the next topic which is uh we recently we've been discussing how we onboard new people and we have a procedure here in juxta where we give people a, a laptop and say here's a guide that sort of gets you set up with arch linux and go and you know install everything yourself work out how to encrypt your disk you know it's not just like a standard um, walkthrough of arch either so we were discussing whether that was too off-putting whether the, that, that was too high a barrier to hit when you've just got a job maybe we should give them manjaro or some pre-packaged build that we've put together and they just sort of load it up and they can actually get to work on customizing it or do we make them go through the guide because then they learn mm-hmm. the commands
2: yeah we've had that discussion of trying to make the guide easier I mean juxta's developing we're full of procedures internally we have lots of procedures for for various things and we're trying to get more and more so you know how do I create a, a strong password we did that this week we published a video about how to we create strong passwords with dice and offline and, <laughs> and that was fun But how do we... In a
0: room with no windows. With no windows.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And you have to shred your passwords when you've written them down. And you have to put the dice back in the beaker, which I forgot to do on the video. And when you take your passwords to shred it, you have to make sure you do that in a room without windows, which we didn't.
3: Well, it's okay, because we actually have installed anti-satellite
2: cannons. Blocking devices.
3: Yeah, blocking devices.
2: (laughs) I once... um, met an astronaut. This is a um, this weekend is the fiftieth anniversary of the nineteen sixty nine Apollo eleven moon landings. landing. So it's very exciting. And um, but NASA, as this astronaut story mouse grave, discussed, you know, as as part of the, you know, the group in the pub that we were we were chatting through this thing is you think NASA is just full of people of brainiacs who can just figure out everything themselves. But they they are an organization that runs everything. In Apollo the whole Apollo Missions ran on lists of checkboxes. You know, this is—I think it was before they brought in checklists for planes, or maybe that was a thing I've read recently that they didn't used to have checklists when they, you know, did planes, you know, flew planes, and and then after a while, with certain crashes down to pilot error and so on, they they kind of said it well, would it would just be easier if we just got everybody to go through these lists all the time. And there's something I think that kind of magical that happens when you just have. You don't have to think about what am I doing next. You just tick a box and you go through, and you don't. Your brain can then focus on things that are you know, more creative, or you know, you don't, you're not working out the minutiae of what the next task is. So, trying to develop a whole set of procedures that work, but also we're talking about making sure that those procedures aren't just one way, because it's really hard for juxtaposition to come up with procedures that everyone can use so one of the first things that we're trying to get people to learn how to do is how to give back how to figure out things and get 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 our repository which is a a github repository which is which is private right now but it's called code it's our sort of code of ethics and that is full of our policies and procedures but we try to get that onto somebody's laptop as, as soon as possible but in a way that it can be is as a, a read write experience. If they they notice something or they've got something to contribute, they can send that back to GitHub with a pull request, and then somebody can look at that and say, "Hey, that's a really good, you know, extra procedure. We need a procedure for installing Keybase or for, you know, for doing video or for doing the podcast." And you know, and having a, a procedure just for this podcast, for example. I mean, Alex, you're you, you do the podcast at the moment, but hopefully, well, I mean, you, you're going to take a holiday one day. Yeah.
3: But, yeah, I definitely do need to write up a procedure of how to press all the buttons. I, I I'm I'm kind of waiting until I've got it down to some simple steps because every time I've done it slightly differently and I've learned a bit more. I think uh, yeah, maybe maybe after this I'll. The last couple have been pretty
2: standard now, so I can. Uh, There's nothing like writing documentation that clarifies and and simplifies your thought. You have to you know to make something simple is hard, but to write. You know a document is is almost the path towards that you, you know to get to a point where you can argue or explain a concept to somebody to be a good educationalist means you have to have it pretty well nailed down in your own head and, and that can help so the the art of writing these procedures and standards is you know it's certainly content a little bit contentious and we talked about the kind of pushback of you know we were talking about you know shells, which shells we like to use, what editors we like to use and and certain you know things that might not matter like where we put code um something that that Dominic was um talking about the other day was g h q Have you ever used g h q right the uh the whole file organizing git thing right right yeah you you have this tool that you say git i mean one my source directory on my laptop is full of i can't tell you how many hundreds of projects i've cloned and some of them are, are mine and some of them are other things and just you know and i just seem to get by but actually to actually have a, a good organization of where things come from the provenance who've made them and what company and you know so have that kind of level of organization so you don't have to decide you know you don't have to think about calling this thing a name and if you've got two projects that are the same name what do you do i mean i you just come up with a name so being able to remove choice or remove the, um, you know, fatigue of having to make all these millions of decisions every day can actually free up your brain to, to not worry about that stuff. And then the less clutter in your brain, the, the easier it is to kind of think deeply about something else, which is, which is really the point. It's about removing the clutter that's associated with work.
0: I mean not removing because you do it up front. You do it up front write the procedure and then you're free, yeah, right? <laughs> cuz I mean if writing procedures will take 5 years then <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. You got to balance that a bit. Yeah. Like, How much time do you spend thinking what's the best procedure? Mm.
2: <laughs> I think you just you have to make it a part of the tax of working that you, you know. Like I had to install a new laptop today cuz well, this week, because my laptop died, and that, that doesn't happen very often, but it was a good test of all of the backup procedures, and, you know, I had to get a new key and all that kind of stuff, and and it was fun at times, but I, it maybe took me 50% longer to onboard myself, because I was very, very keen that I didn't do anything on my laptop without actually thinking, is it in the procedure? And that, that took a bit of extra time, but... Um, we're all beginning to do that. And, and that means that...
3: Yeah, it's a community effort, right? You sacrifice a bit of your time so that 10 people down the road won't have to. Mm. And
2: well, we we had an onboarding procedure that used to take a week and it was a bit of a joke. People were <laughs> just going kind to of be like, that's your first week in juxta, right? You are not going to do anything. Yeah. And uh, Joanna came in and she made an, a, an amazing kind of contribution to all the documentation. She's really spent a lot of time, you know, a, a good week or so, improving the documentation and then people came and, and then it was it, you know in the last year it's become a, a bit of a, a race yeah, yeah like yeah, can yeah. you install can you onboard in two hours can you board and board in a, an hour and a half
0: and i think that jason still holds the record for that you <laughs> <laughs> board in like one hour and 20 minutes
3: <laughs> just yeah i took a day so <laughs> yeah. do you have a do you have that on uh, your desk jason you got a little certificate <laughs> <laughs> current fastest uh record
2: holder of setting up the Jux laptop <laughs> so i think that more or less wraps it up for this yeah
3: week. i guess just to wrap it up nicely in a in a few words i said we were discussing whether to give people their laptop pre-set up or to write some steps obviously we've decided to write some steps why have we done that rather than just give them
2: Oh, well, well that's kind of next week's value which is understanding. i
3: see but we won't give too much away we'll leave it on a cliffhanger you'll have to tune in next week